my name is Rod, and my pronouns are he, him. Um, I just realised that International Pronouns Day is one of those third Wednesdays of, the, of October ones rather than the same day every year. So that makes it really complicated on your phone to put it in, I've realised. So they need to change that. Um, it's Louise's 70th today, so happy birthday to Louise. <laughs> um, don't be. And, um, yeah, so Louise and Pat might have to duck out early. It won't be because I'm boring, just so you know. <laughs> um, today, oh, well, we're doing a series on humility hospitality and gratitude, and I think today we'll touch on those things, let's see. Um, but one of the things I want to talk about is um, the idea of a quest, going on quests, life is a quest, um, hence return to the garden, a group quest. <laughs> Sounds like a, um, a board game. We had a board game night last week, which was so fun, so if you weren't here, you really missed out and you should feel terrible. But it was so good that we're thinking we'll make it a, a regular institution, so come to the next one. Um, but one of the things uh, I'll be referring to today is um, a book by a clinical psychologist and researcher called Lisa Miller, who's done a lot of research into spirituality and it's um, how we're hardwired for it and how it is incredibly important to cultivate spirituality just for your mental health. But she talks a lot about um, seeing life as a quest and how incredibly um, valuable that can be for, for mental health, for purpose, for all sorts of things. So um, in our first week of this series, I talked about the idea of um, humility and hospitality and gratitude being the kind of the values and virtues that we need to find our way back to um, the Garden of Eden. Um, and uh, that might seem quite a vague introduction, but it, um, one of the things that she, she talks about in terms of cultivating spirituality is um, looking for synchronicity in your life. Um, and I had a lot this morning because I was looking for them. Um, and the first one was that, uh, just about the last thing I heard before I left the house, because Susie, my partner, was reading Kitty, uh, number two, a book. And um, as I was leaving the house, I just overheard Susie talking about, reading a page of the book where they're talking about lighting a candle. Uh, so I thought, that must mean that I meant to light a candle this morning. Um, so... Yeah, so in the spirit of um, quest and synchronicity and spirituality, um, lighting a candle to remind us all that God is here with us. Um, uh, and I might pray. It's one of those mornings where I feel kind of deeply invested in what I have to say this morning. And I don't want to fuck it up. Um, I don't want to overstate it. I want to keep it simple, um, but because it's me and I've been thinking about it for a month, there's just so much stuff swirling around in my head that I want to say, so I'll try to say as little of it as possible, um, but in the spirit of 
that. I'm going to ask for God's help with that. Loving God. Sometimes it's so hard to, to believe that you're there. We live in a world that is so disenchanted where trust that you are there leading us on, holding us, guiding us, loving us. It's so hard to stay connected to. And I ask you to help us in our unbelief. Help us in how hard it is to believe in you, to trust you, to see your work around us. And I guess my prayer for us this morning is that we might become a, a merry band of pilgrims that help each other to live a life of quest in pursuit of you and led by you and held by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are a few spoilers in there. Sorry about that. We... We started also in the first week with this little passage from Matthew 7, 9 to 12. Uh, does anyone want to read it for us? So it's just not my voice. Not looking at anyone. Oh, thanks, V. There better not be any big words. <laughs> um, which of you, if your children ask for bread, will give, him, will give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will give them a snake? If you then with all your faults, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Abba God in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? David just gave me a good gift telling me my fly was down. <laughs> That's what happens when you've got sermon bladder. <laughs> yeah. For people at home, my fly was down. Um, So I wanted, to, um, I wanted to come back to this passage because it's one of those, again, with so much in the Bible, if you grow up with it, you just take it on face value. But you, just, you look at the claims that this passage is making and they're just extraordinary, given the world that we live in. Um, the idea that behind everything there is a loving parent, God that is working at all times to give us good things. It's just an incredible claim. It's an incredible thing to believe. It's an incredible thing to trust. And I guess I just want to start with just sitting with that. Uh, and, and the recognition that I think for all of us in this culture, there's this deep splitness. You know, we come to this place and we enact this trust in this reality that there is God, there is the divine. And as we, as we sang together, that, that that God holds us, calls us forward, is in and through everything, trying to lead everything towards the good and the true and the beautiful. And yet... 
not just out there but in here as well, um, we still carry this reality of a, of a world which has been evacuated of all of that possibility and reality. Um, there's, I'll come back to that. Yeah. This is my obligatory Richard Raw quote for the week. <laughs> um, this is from his uh, daily meditations. I'd highly recommend subscribing to them, but this is from the 4th of September. He's talking about the quest for the grail. There's quest everywhere this month. Um, and saying, I believe we live in a time when the quest is no longer real. People are unsure of the goal, insecure in their search for meaningful patterns, synchronicity, and even unconvinced of any divine origins. It is a major crisis of meaning for the West. At the deepest level, it is a loss of hope. So that's the world we live in, all of us, and it affects all of us, um, a world where it, it seems so much of the time absurd and ridiculous to believe that there is anything beyond the material, that there's anything beyond the physical. And that to me is the core business of this community is to try to help each other to hold on to a vision of something different. Um, I was originally inspired, I forgot to bring the book, but I was originally inspired um, in this talk by this series of three books that I read. The first I read when I was 12 and the second and third I read this year. And they are um, called the Duncton Chronicles. Uh, so it's a series of three books about communities of moles in England. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, I would describe it, I think I was describing it to someone this week as um, Lord of the Rings meets Watership Down. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's very Lord of the Ringsy. if that, uh, there's um, an incredible kind of mythological, spiritual dimension to it. The, the books are all about this kind of war between two competing religions, but I got to that end of the third book, I was on holiday, this is uh, last month, um, and as I read the last page, I just found myself absolutely sobbing with grief at how hard it is to maintain a vision, the kind of vision of life that I saw in that book of... Um, a band of unlikely people brought together by um, what in this book is called the stone, but the divine, brought together by the divine and given each given tasks that give their lives meaning and create deep connection with the others in their group of unlikely friends and that at the end of their life, their task complete they are welcomed back into love as they die. And it's like my heart was so drawn and compelled and overwhelmed by that vision, how beautiful it was. And um, how 
incredible it would be, uh, and it is, to, to aspire to that in this place with all of you. The idea that all of us, however you know, small or whatever we feel at times, all of us has this task, um, this quest, this purpose that the divine has given us um, and not a solo task. Because I think that's, that's the big thing that really struck me today. Uh, uh, yesterday I was watching this new Disney film called Onward with Kitty. Um, and it's all, a, I mean, so many Disney films are about the, the hero's quest. But it's so often just some individual male and now you're allowed to have individual female <laughs> um, heroes and heroines. But the idea of a, a heroic community, a questing community that... Um, all have roles together to to be on this quest towards um, towards the divine. It yeah, it just yeah, it struck me as just such a powerful and countercultural vision, um, and so compelling, but so hard. What's on the next slide? Let's see. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so in the, in the first week of the series, we talked about this pattern, and I think it relates to Quest. We talk about this pattern of, you know, we all start with this, as children, with this naked, unwounded connection to everything around us. Uh, and then uh, it's so easy as we realise that life can wound us Life can be cruel for us to move into a, a separate and protected way of living um, and that the challenge, and this is where humility and hospitality and gratitude can help us, the challenge is to find our way back to connection um, even though we understand that life can wound us. And, and I guess I was toying with, with that um, this week and thinking you could also think about it in terms of the enchanted world that all children are born into where there is magic and where there is purpose and there is meaning and things happen for a reason and, um, you know, for some children that's not their experience but for so many it is. And then we, we, in a world like ours, we lose that and we end up in this disenchanted space. And again, the challenge is how, as a community, do we find our way back to a re-enchanted space, even though we know the challenges and we know that life can wound us. Um, and a third way of seeing this, uh, and this, is, this sentence has become incredibly important to me over the last few years as I've rethought my vision of God and what God can and can't do, um, this idea that the original naivety of childhood, if we have a safe family, is that um, we can be protected from everything, that, that the world is just safe in a very, very simple and uncomplicated way. And then, yeah, then we are wounded. Then the things that we think can never be taken away, something gets taken away, we're wounded, we're, we lose someone. And, and what is there beyond that? And this, this idea that 
that God protects us from nothing but sustains us through everything has become incredibly important to me as a vision for what it means to hold on to a belief in a good God, a good and loving God, in a world where so many terrible things happen. I'm just interested to see if there are yeah, any thoughts or responses so far. Often we give people a, a chance at the beginning to respond to the passage, and I haven't given you that chance. And there may be, you know, sorry, there's a lot of stuff to throw at you. There may be no response, no thoughts. Um, I guess I'm just interested if that stuff resonates with people, if people have um, find that that's where, where they are at and there's that sense of that how compelling that vision is but also how hard it is to hold on to. Is that, again, does that resonate with people? Definitely resonating. Um, but I think I was thinking about it in terms of um, that phrase, God is working in everything to draw us to the good. And the sort of naivety view of that is that everything happens for a reason. So when bad things happen too, that's also from God and God is punishing you. Um, and then I guess, yeah, I, I guess this is articulating my journey along this arc and then going, okay, no, so then everything has to be human action and human consequence. Like um, there can be nothing, nothing divine. It's all human cause and effect. Like I did this, therefore this happened. There's no deeper meaning to it. Um, and that's really comforting for bad stuff because you're like, that's just, he's just a bad person. That's just fine. Um, but... Uh, the kind of re-enchantment for me has been holding that kind of God holding and wanting the good in everything for us. Um, and human action and consequence is still real. Um, and that helps hold both the human action and consequence for the good and the bad and helps have the sort of falling in love with the world again um, that feels a bit... Um, special and extra and and more than human and um, like maybe even because of human love um, I heard this great quote of like how can you say that the universe doesn't care about you you are made of the universe and you by caring make the universe care and I love that maybe that through human cause and effect um, God gets to show God's love for the world and yeah um, really so about this. Thanks, Annika. Um, yes, resonating 100% um, with everything. Um, and I, it's really been lovely to reflect on which stage I'm at and I feel like I had a really long period of naivety <laughs> um, where, yeah, but it was really wonderful like really um yeah I I would have wonderful dreams about community and, and whatnot and then I think I suppose going through that the disenchantment phase of realizing that things hurt and life hurts and you get hurt um and I suppose kind of being an adult and like all these expectations around what being an adult means it's kind of felt and, and also in like um 
certain fields of work where spirituality is just dampened and that doesn't have any place in anything. It actually has at times made me feel really silly for at, at once, once having really quite potentially naive views of the world. Um, but I suppose I'm just starting to dip my toe back into this re-enchantment of um, wanting some of those those really beautiful gifts back but not knowing how to balance them and weigh them out with, um, yeah, like I suppose holding both things and, yeah, allowing, yeah, allowing God to protect us or not protect us but also sustain us. It's a really interesting thing but it also really reminds me and of the podcast that you recommended, Rod, of um, thinking about almost being a child again and, and what, um, I don't know, and how all the Bible references being a child and how that's almost like stepping back into that re-enchantment with slight wisdom. I don't know. Yeah, thanks, V. And thank you for using the word silly because I think that brings us back to our theme of humility that I, I think it, in a world like ours, it does require embracing feeling silly embracing a deep sense of humility to say I'm going to seek to push into this enchanted space even though it feels ridiculous a lot of the time and it does and and I guess that's what I'd love to cultivate in this community a a sense of of encouraging people in a feeling silliness that that's okay and um and there's a, a kind of a bigger sense of humility too. You know, so much, so, so often in our culture, there's this sense of, you know, we've arrived. And like, we are the end of history now. We've, we've worked out that all of the things in the past were wrong and now we've worked it out. And there's this incredible humility required to go, yeah, maybe this is a disenchanted phase that we're moving out of. I mean, even last night talking to people at this party that I went to, not, you know, people, nothing to do with, church or anything like that but just going it feels like something is happening now in our culture for us to to re-engage with with spirituality to re-engage with the transcendent to re-engage with things that we have lost and that our culture is mourning and where levels of depression and suicidality and all of these kinds of effects of the crisis that Richard Raw talks about and I don't think it's just um, silly religious folk that are feeling that need for a new form of humility in the f- that opens up new imagination and new possibilities. And again, so it's almost like taking it, we need to attack this from both sides of um, just basic humility and trust, but also, you know, that, that's why I shared that podcast, this woman, Lisa Miller, that I was talking about, this also all this incredible scientific research to go, our brain is wired to connect with the transcendent. Our brain is wired for a connection with a higher self, a connection with other people in spiritual practices, seeing synchronicity, seeing meaning. That's what we're wired for. And more and more research is suggesting that when we've just got a focus on kind of rational achieving stuff and not on awakened connecting stuff, that we're setting ourselves up for half a life. So it's, yeah, it's, it's both. There's, there's that acceptance of a sense of silliness in 
still holding on to an enchanted view of life, but there's also look, looking for, for the movement and the evidence out there that um, we're actually not as foolish as we might suspect in trying to hold on to the sense of the transcendent, the sense of God, the sense of connection. I probably don't need to say too much more, but was there anything else that people want to share before I finish up? Alan? Um, I think this, seeing this sort of laid out has made me realise I'm probably still more in the middle category than I thought. <clears throat> Just sort of particularly seeing that last one and going, okay, well, if coming coming through the other side of this looks like the wisdom being God protects us from nothing, it's like, well, then what's the point of God? Um why, why not just, you know, in, instead of spending all this energy trying to come to terms with this stuff, why not just spend it surrounding yourself with people that can sustain you through everything because at least they're tangible and, you know, physically there sort of thing, um, as opposed to a God who often feels like there is, that there's, there's no physicalness there. Um, and I guess the other thought was just, <clears throat> I guess, a real frustration with so many expressions of faith including one that I've grown up with that just frantically clings to the first section and you know anyone who's sort of brave enough to realize that they're 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 now down in the second one is ultimately viewed as an outcast from from that and yeah just I I I don't know how to put into words just how how much I, I I see that now and just go that's really a, a really awful completely unsustainable thing to try and do to people. Thanks, Alan. And it's so important, so such an important thing to share because I mean my fear always when I talk is that um, yeah creating this nice neat package that we can all swallow and. Um, that's not not what this needs to be, and it's yeah, it's so important. If you, yeah, for people that well, you know, I feel like we, we've acknowledged that this stuff is really hard, <laughs> and part of the desire for it to be a collective thing and not an individual thing is that that's just cruel. <laughs> put that onto individuals to say, okay, all of you individually need to find your way to this third category. Good luck. That's not, that's not the vision. That, that's why it has to be a collective vision. It has to be a communal vision where we can believe for each other when, uh, when we can't believe and where we can also recognise, um, and this is something that um, one of my favourite theologians, Catherine Keller, says that God, God doesn't need you to um, focus on God. Um, God's priority is for us to love each other and to love the earth. And if you can't find yourself believing in God, God doesn't care. Um, a fidelity to life and a fidelity to others and a fidelity to the earth is, is at the heart of it. Um, and so exactly what you said, Alan, about, well, I can't find my way to the third category so I might just gather a group of loving people around me to, to support me in this life I think God would go no no that's it <laughs> that is the third category <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, I, I think I grew up, Alan, with a really similar framework. And I think like so much of what we're contending with is because of the framework we were given where the only thing that counts as God is things that have that are completely disconnected and unrelated to anything else and could have no other possible explanation. It's that kind of like human miracle thing of like the only thing that constitutes a miracle is something that breaks the laws of nature um, and something can be explained no other way. And that's the only box we're allowed to kind of like tag as activity of God rather than an immersive um, like panentheistic view of God where God is constantly moving and calling through all things and through all kinds of things and where we're not left with this, if a person did it, then God was not involved. Um, that, yeah, when we've grown up with that category, we're left with, I mean, for me, who grew up in quite a, like, Pentecostal-like expression, for all of its flaws, I was left with a whole heap of these experiences which can be rationalized and explained any other way like all, all kinds of other ways as you know moments of psychosis or you know <laughs> um, groupthink or all kinds of other things but where there were these kinds of like those kinds of divine encounters which still were deeply meaningful for me and completely non-provable um, but also surrounded by these communities that were called to mutual care and meaning and love and all those things but if our only framework is that God is only allowed to show up in ways that could be explained no other way, then I think we just get left here with this poverty of saying if we can deconstruct that, then it can't be God. Um, but I think there's just so much more generosity in a universe where God is showing up in and through all things all the time. Um, and I, I think the you know, 42 years on, like, what I'm left with is that I went down the road of safety, which for me was the kind of rationalism of cynicism, the race to the bottom where you could disprove everything about what everyone believed all of the time, um, and that felt really safe and smug. And then I went, I'm a smug shit, and I don't actually like that. <laughs> and I'm also left with nothing else other than tearing apart everything that anyone says is meaningful. And um, and I really didn't like that hole I dug for myself. Um, and, yeah, I love the, your use of feeling silly because I think there is a part of that in which we don't want to appear like the first kind of naive and we feel silly for feeling that way. But being left with um, cynicism to the bottom, the kind of Nietzschean, Camillian, like, you know, all I'm left with is being an Ubermensch and forcing myself on the world, that's not that great either. And I think between, if I was to be left with one or the other, and again, I'm not trying to speak for anyone else, anyone else's experiences, but like, for me, like, I think I've had to just re-embrace a bit of feeling foolish because there are things that I find very hard to explain and very hard to prove. I can't prove that God is working in and through you, um, but I feel like I'm just so much a better person for believing that the universe has personality and that there is goodness in and through each other. Um, yeah, and so working at how much silliness you can metabolize <laughs> for the good without going into dangerous levels of naivety is a real balancing act, but... Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to speak on behalf of someone who's kind of gone through the um, smug new atheist phase that, that 
I don't, I don't find that much more life-giving either. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. And I do think a, a beautiful barometer of whether we're getting it right is, is the barometer of connection, you know, is the way that I am and what I believe fostering deep and loving connection with the people around me. Um, and that's, that's always a question that you will not, you'll never answer it, but it, it is, I guess, the task of community for us to keep asking that of ourselves and each other. Is this journey that we're on, is this quest that we are undertaking together and trying to leave no one behind, is that deepening our sense of, of loving connection with each other? Uh, and, yeah, there's always room to sort of move a little bit more towards the wise and a little bit more towards the silly, but, um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. So for those listening at home, Shane was just saying, yeah, yeah, if we're wrong in creating, in aspiring to create this beautiful community of connection and love, then, um, yeah, what a beautiful way to be wrong. Um, so that's enough, I reckon. I have had all this stuff on Lisa Miller, but um, you can listen to the podcast. It's uh, on our, our feed. Um, but there is this... Yeah, just uh, I guess the one thing I would say is that uh, it's easy when you're focusing on stuff about, oh, you know, spirituality works um, to make your life better for it to end up being just a therapeutic form of Christianity that's all about me. And there's scope for that. There's, <laughs> there's scope for um, I'm cultivating spirituality because it's really good for my mental health and all of that kind of stuff, um, as long as it is. But... Um, yeah, the other side of it is yeah, the Jesus-following side of it where um, living this life is dangerous at the same time and it leads you into standing with those on the margins and being involved in um, seeking the liberation of yourself and others and that can get you in trouble with the powers that be and it can get you killed. Um, that's my segue to communion. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we need... Yeah, to strike that balance, I guess, and go, sometimes there's a time just to, yeah, to step into spirituality because it works to, to create connection and groundedness. And, and sometimes it's also the story of Jesus inspiring us to acts of incredibly brave vulnerability in standing with those on the margins. Um, and I'm sure that Jesus on the cross was full of doubt about whether this vision of an Abigod that was calling him forward in his path, whether, whether he was just a fool and who was, was going to die and that was the end of it and his movement of love, enemy love, was going to just dissipate. Um, but, yeah, that is... That is the journey we're on. There's no, there's no certainty. There's no guarantees. There's always doubt. There's always questions. Are we fools? Um, but uh, hopefully we can do it together. And that'll make it a bit easier. Um, so when we do communion, 
you're welcome just to come up and take a, a little thing of juice and um, whoever comes up first has to use their knuckle to crack the crackers so that we can have a little piece of cracker each. And when we all have a cracker and a little thimble of juice, stand in, the, in a circle and then um, I'll pray and we can eat together. You are, of course, welcome to not participate this in this um, today or any week if you don't feel comfortable doing that. It's, it's entirely up to you, but everyone is welcome. Uh, so, yeah, come forward. Uh, just to psychologically prepare you, I'm going to sing you a song as the benediction. So that's why I've got my little acoustic guitar over there. Um, I often laugh to myself when I think about all the words I've poured into your ears over the years um, that you'll never remember. And then this small handful of words that I've collated into songs, that they're the only things that I'm really contributing to this community in any long-term sense. Um, this, this one is um, my rewriting of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so it's, uh, it's called um, yeah, Motherly Father, Fatherly Mother. And in many ways it does encapsulate everything that I've been trying to, to talk about, this idea of uh, this loving parent God that walks with us, leads us on, calls us forward, uh, raises us up when we fall. And so I'm um, sorry to leave you holding... The, Shane really filled those to the top today. Yeah, take, you can take a safety sip if you like. Jesus won't mind. Um, and so I'll sing the song and then we'll eat and drink together.
in your arms. 